Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Are you convinced that hourly billing is the only way CPAs can price their services? Find out just how much it might be costing you. In this episode of Smart Strategy for CPAs, where I help you work less and earn more, My name is Geraldine Carter. I want to talk to you today about how to price a bicycle. You heard me right, a bicycle. You know the kind. Two pedals, two wheels, handlebars, and a bell. Now, I'm not just talking about any old bicycle. I'm talking about a kid's bicycle, the little kind with 16-inch wheels the kind with a single gear. So when they get pedaling really fast, their feet go round and round and round and round. Now you might be wondering, what has this got to do with being a CPA? What does the price of a bike have to do with payroll, cash flow, or tax strategy? I'll tell you what the connection is. And I'm going to tell you through a recent experience I had buying a bike for my five-year-old daughter, Hazel. Now, If we're friends on Facebook, you may have seen the video of Hazel and my son Remy, who's two, doing hot laps at the pump track. Our local pump track is sort of like a half pipe for skateboarders, big mounds of dirt and banked 180 degree turns that little kiddos have a great time on. And you might know that I have a long history of riding bikes. I've ridden tens of thousands of miles across more than 30 countries. Bikes are a wonderful invention. They are a low-cost and low-carbon form of transportation. They are quiet, they're community-friendly, and as toys, you get exercise and they bring loads of joy. And I want my daughter to experience the fun and the freedom and the rush of riding a bike. And she does. She has this cute little pink Specialized that I got for her for 20 bucks on Facebook Marketplace, and she loves it. Or she did love it until we went to Ketchum, Idaho last week, where they too have a pump track, but their berms are much, much higher and they're steeper. So Hazel, who weighs like 50 pounds, she couldn't push her little bike up the hills because the thing is steel and it weighs 25 pounds, like half as much as she does. And when she would try to push her bike up the hills, her little feet would slide out from under her and she'd wipe out and she'd slide back down. It was like trying to watch a spider climb out of a sink. She just couldn't get out. And I could see the look on her face 
of determination, of I'm about to lose it frustration because the big kids are doing it and I want to be able to keep up. But this tank of a bike is more than I can grunt. But this tank of a bike is more than I can grunt. Now, a friend of mine, Leah, had told me about this bike company named Womb. Womb makes bikes that are specifically designed for small kids. And they're made of aluminum instead of steel. So they're about 30% lighter. And the frame geometry keeps them low to the ground, which makes them more stable and less likely to fall. And the positioning is more upright so they can see around them more easily. Now, these bikes are more expensive because they're better. But how much more expensive should they be than a typical bike? So there are a few ways that you could think about pricing this bicycle. You could price it by the cost of its component parts, the aluminum, the vulcanized rubber, the plastic for the pedals. And I checked it out. The price of aluminum is 15 cents a pound. Assume eight pounds, $1.20. The price of vulcanized rubber is 35 cents a pound. Assume four pounds, a buck 40. Plastic for the pedals, seven cents a pound. 14 cents is generous. Total it up, $2.74. That would be one way to price a bike. You could add the time that it takes for the machines to stamp out the plastic pedals, to assemble the spokes to the wheels, the hubs, the rims, and to weld the top tube to the seat tube to the down tube. And you could, in theory, calculate the time value of the assembly machines, let's say the sum of all the machine time to create and build the bike is six hours and the machine operates at a cost of 10 bucks an hour, you can add $60 onto your component parts for $62.74. You could say, well, if the margin should be 50% and it's $62.74 to build the bike and assuming that the brand has no value, which is ludicrous, then a 50% margin yields a $125 bike. Or if you were selling bicycles, trying to make a living, you could price the bicycle based on what you need to earn this year. Say you needed to earn $500,000 and you think you can sell 10,000 of them, then you can sell the bicycles at $50 each. Alternatively, you could price the bicycle by checking out what other companies price their bikes at and say, let's price it somewhere in the middle. Let's be neither the cheapest nor the most expensive. You Google a kid's specialized bike, it's $175. You Google a Huffy, they're available for 85 bucks at Target. And you decide to stay somewhere safely in the middle at $130. These are examples of how I hear CPAs talking about how to price their services. By breaking it down into its component parts, like my time, my staff time, my court time, bookkeeping is this much, payroll is that much, and so on. Component parts. I hear them base it on time, an arbitrary measure, like 135 bucks an hour, 225 an hour, 400 bucks an hour. I hear CPAs talk about their margins and they say, if my expenses to run my office are $100 an hour, then I need to charge at least $200 an hour to get my margins to 50%, which is where the AICPA says is the median. I hear some people talk about goal earnings and they say, I want to earn $400,000 and I only want 40 clients, so I should charge them $10,000 each and that would get me there. Or they talk about comparing and they say the most expensive CPA in town is Howard and Associates and he charges $450 an hour. I know a few beginners over at JCPA who are at $120 an hour. So I charge $225 an hour and that feels about right. 
If someone says I'm too expensive, I can just point them to Howard and Associates as my defense. Each of these is something that I have heard a CPA say. And sometimes it's how my own clients can think about pricing when we're starting out. And I get the value of these ways of thinking about pricing. You have to start somewhere. You need to have something to push against. And you can definitely follow the rationale. Everyone else is doing it. It's nice and tidy. So it feels like the way to go. The problem is the amount of money that CPAs are leaving on the table when they think this way. Because in not one of these examples did we talk about value. Nowhere did we talk about the value to me, the parent, the buyer of the bicycle. And it's me, the parent, who's the buyer, right? Hazel might be the target of some of the marketing, although she's five, so not really. But in terms of color, <laughs> pink and purple have high value and green and yellow do not. But in the end, I am the parent and I'm the buyer. So what's the value to me in this 14 pound bike? Let's go back to the bicycle. Valuable to me is that the better design and the lower center of gravity means better handling. Better handling means fewer wipeouts and fewer, I want to go home, even though we just got here. Valuable to me is that it's much lighter, which means for her, it's easier to start. It's faster to stop and it's more responsive, which makes it more fun to ride. Valuable to me is when we're at the pump track where the hillsides are steeper and the big kids are doing it, Hazel is going to be able to keep up with the big kids. And she loves that. Now, also of value to me is getting my hands on one of these bicycles as soon as possible. But they are on back order through the end of October, just in time for winter. So I'm willing to pay more to get one sooner because the end of bike riding season is coming up fast. So what is the value to me of all of this? Better design, it's lighter, it's more fun, and I want one sooner. Is it $175? Is it $275? $375? No, none of the above because all of this still focuses on the bike. Now, I can tell you what I paid for the bike on eBay. I paid $525. $525 for a bike that's for sale from the company's website for $379. But even $525 is not the value. That's just the price. Value and price are not one and the same. I bought micro moments. I bought micro moments of joy. I bought the moment that I see Hazel zoom over a dirt pile with her pink skirt flying in the wind. And she looks at me with this giant grin and she goes, wee, look mom, I'm doing it. And seeing her being so excited, having so much fun, I almost wanna burst into tears because it is so the best and it is so stinking cute. I am buying micro moments of heart bursting joy. 
I am buying the moment that she keeps up with the big kids on the pump track. And I can see on her face just how proud she is of herself for getting over those dirt piles and back up the sides. That's the value to me. The bike is just the deliverable. And here's the fundamental problem with pricing any other way than on value. It's the amount of money left on the table. If the seller of this bike, granted it was on eBay, so it's a different story, but if the seller had priced by comparing to other bikes, they would have left $395 on the table. If a seller had priced by margins, they would have left $400 on the table. If the seller had priced by time, they would have left $460 on the table. If the seller had priced by goal earnings, they might have left $475 on the table. And if the seller had priced by cost of component parts, they would have left $522 on the table. You could see that the problem with pricing around anything other than value is the amount of potential earnings you never earn because you left it sitting there on the table. So what to do with this story about pricing a kid's bike? How do you get from pricing your time to assessing the value of the outcomes you help create and putting a price on that instead? You start by listening more to your clients. You listen to what they really care about. And it usually gets dropped in tiny phrases like, oh, if I could have real-time data, that would be amazing because then I would know how much to sell and how much to hold. And that would be a game changer because then I could stop working on weekends. Then I could stop having to manually enter all this extra data that takes my staff hours. Then I'd be freed up to work on some of these more important projects. Then, oh, I could stop worrying if I had enough money in the bank to pay my crew through the winter. And then when spring came around, we'd be ready to roll and I could focus on new business instead of filling out my crew. That would make all the difference. These are the kinds of outcomes you want to tune your ears to. When you spend more time with your clients and listen to why it is they want what they want, you will be able to uncover untold value. And when you uncover this untold value, you can get out of pricing by the hour, pricing by margins, pricing by comparison, and you can start value pricing. And when you start value pricing, your income increases while your workload decreases. And that is how you work less and make more. When your service is amazing and the value is priceless, there will be clients who are happy to pay you for it. Just like I was happy to pay four times more for the right bicycle that is going to bring piles of joy compared to the armored tank of a bicycle that Hazel can't push up the hill. If seeing the five ways not to price listed out would be helpful to you, zip on over to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com, where you can download the free PDF I made that lists the examples that I mentioned. If you want to reassess your thinking around pricing and you want a free 15-minute coaching call of untold value, where I give you some nuggets to get you unstuck and out of fear and headed in the right direction, 
head on over to shethinksbigcoaching.com and click on the big fat red schedule time with me button. That'll put 15 minutes on our calendars and the internets will hook us up. Let me help you make this transition to value pricing. Book your free coaching call right now at shethinksbigcoaching.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the upcoming trainings I'm hosting on September 24th and October 22nd, both of them at noon Eastern. If you've been wanting to implement value pricing, narrow the niche you serve or develop your framework, these trainings are for you. You can find details and links to register on the homepage of my website at shethinksbigcoaching.com. Let's get you on the fast track to working less while making more. Last thing, if you want to see video of Hazel zipping out hot laps on the pump track on her shiny new purple 14 pound aluminum bicycle, you can find the link to the video on YouTube in the show notes. Happy pedaling. That's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.